Six months into the COVID-19 pandemic, for many of us, the only thing growing faster than the flurry of news and scientific breakthroughs is an ever-expanding waistline. Piling on a diet on top of a global pandemic and a mental health crisis may seem like a sick joke at this point. However, some basic changes to the way we eat can not only defend against COVID-19, they can literally add years to our lives as well. These diet shifts stretch further than our own longevity. They can also profoundly impact the world we live in. The latest research says changing your diet could fundamentally impact climate change. While limiting the lockdown comfort food we've grown accustomed to may be a challenge, it ultimately can prolong our lives and the environments as well. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about the latest findings that say avoiding ultra-processed foods can speed up cellular aging. While this popular food category makes up an estimated 60% of the average American's diet, limiting your daily intake could profoundly impact your longevity. Our second story identifies how we can do something to impact climate change for good by making some major food changes, both to our agricultural and food production systems and our individual behavior, we can ultimately work to protect the planet as well as our own health. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, how avoiding ultra-processed foods may protect your telomeres and boost your longevity. A new study finds ultra-processed foods make up more than half of all the calories in the U.S. diet. Factory-made formulations. Nutrient-poor and calorie-dense. Containing little, if any, intact food. So, just to be clear. They're the foods right in front of us. Chips, candy, white bread. Additives, preservatives, coloring, flavoring, emulsifiers, trans fats. Pastries, ready-to-eat frozen meals, and soda pops. What ultra-processed foods are. Basically, they can withstand a nuclear holocaust, and they're not good for us. Ultra-processed foods are often cheap to make, convenient for consumers, and can last years on the shelf. Think sugary cereals, canned soups, and white bread. Foods that trick us into thinking they taste good. While they line our pantries, they also hurt our health. And according to a study published June 2020 in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, ultra-processed foods can also make our cells age faster. As we get older, the protective caps on the ends of our chromosomes shorten due to inflammation and oxidative stress. They're called telomeres, and as they shrink, people become more likely to get sick with certain diseases and ultimately die younger. This study found that people who ate more than three servings of ultra-processed foods daily were twice as likely to have short telomeres than people who opted out of these kinds of nutrient-poor foods. Marking the first time researchers explored this type of food's impact on telomere length, the study highlights the importance of eating for the health of your aging, ultra-processed food-loving cells. This type of food intake was also associated with increased risk of depression, hypertension, being overweight, and dying for any cause. However, you can protect your aging telomeres without completely giving up low-nutrient foods that satisfy all your midnight snack cravings. Inverse's Ali Patillo is here to walk us through how. Hey, Ali. Hey, Tanya. So this was a little concerning because this is basically my diet, but... Me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is all very real for us, especially these days. I think we're all eating a little bit more than usual uh, at home. Before we get into the study, what were the known risks of ultra-processed foods 
beforehand. Yeah, so it's not necessarily a discovery or it wasn't a secret that these ultra-processed foods were not good for our health over time. And they're, these are the kinds of foods that are kind of industrial creations that are low in nutrients and low in whole foods, but they're full of oils and fats, sugars, starches, protein isolates, flavorings, colorings. It's your Coca-Cola, your Rice Krispie, your French fries. And across the board, these have been previously associated with high blood pressure, obesity, metabolic syndrome, depression, type 2 diabetes, and various cancers. Um, we've known that they're not great for us, but they're really cheap to make. Um, they're often convenient for consumers because they can stay on the shelf for a really long time, sometimes lasting even years. So a lot of times we go to them because they're cheap and convenient, not necessarily knowing that they're having this, these detrimental effects on our health. Yeah, that's an all too real primer and reminder of what's been going on this whole time. Like you said, it wasn't exactly a secret, but we were able to get a little bit more from the study. And, you know, if there was a word of a day here, I guess it would be telomeres. So before we get into the actual study, what exactly are telomeres? So telomeres are the protective caps on the ends of your chromosomes. And as humans age, these naturally shorten due to oxidative stress and inflammation. That's a natural process. But as they shrink, people become more likely to get sick with certain diseases and they ultimately die younger. So scientists use telomeres as kind of a metric to capture biological aging, um, how young you are on a cellular level. So with regards to the latest research, how was this determined? Yeah, so they rounded up 886 elderly participants um, or people who are over the age of 55. They reported really detailed descriptions of their diet, um, how much food they ate every day down to a cookie after dinner or a burger for lunch. Then they analyzed their telomere lengths by um, extracting their DNA from saliva samples. And basically what they found is as ultra processed food consumption went up, the likelihood of having shortened telomeres dramatically rose. So basically that means that ultra processed foods appear to make cells age faster. And people who ate more than three servings of ultra processed foods every day, they were twice as likely to have short telomeres than people who skipped those nutrient poor foods. As you said, this is just such a, it can become such a common diet. It's cheap, tastes good. You see how one can easily fall into this trap. So is there um, steps we can take to kind of be a little bit more mindful in how we proceed with what we eat, how we eat it, when we eat it, any guidance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this study is not saying that the occasional bowl of ice cream or you know, a breakfast sandwich is going to shorten your telomeres immediately. It's really habitually consuming these foods every single day that will shorten telomeres and then is associated with these health problems. So people don't need to panic and think, oh my gosh, I have to give up all the food that I love, but you just have to keep it as kind of a treat rather than the staple of your diet. So the researchers say that based on these findings, people should reduce their amount of ultra processed foods to below three servings a day. They also give you things to add back in. And they say that opting for a Mediterranean diet, which tons of studies have shown um, is connected to longevity and can help people live longer, healthier lives. That's a diet heavy in fruits and vegetables and fish and olive oil and nuts. This can help slow cellular aging. So it's not to say that you have to give up food that tastes good. Um, it's just to say, maybe choose you know, your, your leafy greens 
and feta salad versus having a fried chicken sandwich every single day. Yeah, every now and then we need those reminders. And it's good to know that we don't have to just go whole hog on this. So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. But it's just to say you don't want your diet to be heavy in ultra processed foods, but just keep it as a treat. Very good. I will do that. Ali Patillo, thanks so much. Thanks, Tanya. Climate change and what to do about it is an increasingly overwhelming problem. For some, it can seem like small gestures don't make much of a difference against the rising tide of issues that climate change causes around the globe. However, in a pair of recent studies, scientists have identified three ways we can do something to impact climate change for good. Climate change represents the biggest global health threat of the 21st century. Feeding the ever-multiplying global population is putting too much pressure on our land. The land's ability to sustain us is fast running out. Eating more plants and less meat would have a big impact on reducing global warming. Global warming already means some parts of the world will no longer feed us. United Nations recommending big changes to what we put on our plates and to how our food is produced. Current efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions are not enough. And we rapidly need to change, particularly when it comes to what we eat. Climate change and what to do about it remains an overwhelming problem. And for some, it can seem like small gestures don't make much of a difference against the rising tide of issues that climate change causes around the globe. And while eat local has been a refrain of eco-conscious eating for many years, A study published September 2020 in the journal Environmental Science and Technology looks at how feasible it is for people to buy 100% of their food from local sources. The answer, the research shows, may come down to two factors, where you live and what you're willing to eat. The latest research also addresses how people can change their diets to benefit the environment as well. A September 2020 study in the journal Nature Sustainability looks at the ways our food systems are changing the climate and how changing one's diet could fundamentally impact climate change. There's a bunch to get into, so here to talk about what the latest research says is Inverse's Nina Polano. Hey, welcome back, Nina. Hey, thanks. So for all the various factors impacting climate change, how and what we eat seems to be one of the more basic concepts to start with. And when the question comes down to what can you do on a local level? Eat local is a catchphrase we've all heard, but what did this latest study teach us about how possible that really is? Yeah, so the ability to eat local really comes down to two main factors, uh, one being where you live, which sort of makes sense intuitively, and the other is what you are willing to eat. So what kind of a diet, and specifically how much of your diet is made up of foods that come from animal products. Right, and If cities were to prioritize local eating, the idea is that there'd be this opportunity to totally reshape how land is used for agriculture. That's the idea. But how was that determined? What does the evidence say? So the approach here, basically what the researchers did was they mapped out where land is used for different kinds of agricultural purposes right now. So where we're growing um, fruits and vegetables, but also where we are raising livestock and, you know, where space is needed for cattle to graze um, and that kind of land use too. And what they did was they looked at if we change the proportions of these different types of land, which are needed for different types of food production, what that would do to the ability to buy food locally. And then they paired how each of those land use types basically um, would match up with human diets in those areas. 
So what's the guidance on what one can do while cities work toward reshaping agriculture? Our own diet seems to be the most basic place to start. Right. So there's been really a resounding call among climate experts, among people in, people who look at the way we use land, that limiting the amount of meat we eat is basically the number one thing you can do to benefit the environment personally. Right. And if you can do that as well as eat locally, seems like a good strategy. Yeah. So buying foods that came from closer to home means that the food didn't have to travel as far. So there's a built-in reduction of the emissions potentially um, that it took for your food to get to you in the first place. Aside from that, you don't necessarily need to make drastic changes to your lifestyle. Simply eating healthier is always a viable option. Yeah, this is one of my my favorite fun facts about climate intensity of foods, because I think, you know, we hear about eating local, we hear about eating less meat. um, But surprisingly, foods like chips and cookies and cake are pretty intense when it comes to the toll they take on the environment and the climate, both because of the amount of water that it takes to produce these foods and all the different steps in production, and also because a lot of these foods, especially if they're mass-produced and coming from, uh, if, if they're highly processed, they contain palm oil, and that is a you know notorious destructor of the, the rainforest. How about dairy products? You know, meat eating tends to hog the bulk of these conversations, but dairy is a huge part of a lot of people's diets and obviously not without its own impact. Right. When we think about the direct environmental impacts of eating meat, for example, it's all the resources it takes into raising animals. So if you think about it, dairy really uses a lot of those same resources, water, um, land, and crops that need to be grown to fed cows. There's so much overlap there that really you can't separate meat from dairy when it comes to animal products, since it's a lot of the same resources being used. You know, one thing that people have taken up during quarantine, I, I have a zucchini to show for it myself, is, is gardening, right? And growing their own food. Perhaps we're all onto something and this can be a positive step forward in terms of what we can really do big picture for climate change. Right. It doesn't get more local than food you're growing yourself. Um, and I have some late season tomatoes coming in right now, which is very exciting. <laughs> so it's also just a lot of fun to feel like you, you know, to get to eat something that you grew yourself. You can read all of Nina's coverage on the impact of climate change at inverse.com. We'll have links in the show notes for you. Nina, thank you so much. Thank you. Head to inverse.com to read more about how our daily diet impacts the environment. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.